The climate and farming go hand in hand, and this week we focus on three crops to plant this summer, a guide to planting and harvesting for new farmers. In Mzanzi, farmers are rethinking their farming methods to improve production, reduce cost and ultimately optimize productivity. In our Netifim campaign, technical advisor Gary Francis has some tips on how to select the correct irrigation equipment. Our hashtag soil sister, Dimakatsu Mahoy Mabeju, moved from chemical engineering to chicken farming. It may sound like a drastic change, but it is precisely what she needed. Today, she joins us as one of the women selected for the Koteva Woman Agripreneur 2022 program. And our Farmer Tip of the Week comes from Sekho Khichle Sisekhona, founder of Yamaja Bitala. This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey to our listeners from 92 different countries across the world and welcome to episode 141 of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu. Now farming is seasonal and this week we kick off with three crops to plant this summer, a guide to planting and harvesting for new farmers in Mzanzi. Nicole Ludolf chats to Dr. Lerato Matsonyane from the Agricultural Research Council. Thank you so much, Dawn. Dr. Matsonyane, can you please tell us a bit about yourself and your background? I'm born and bred in Mafeking. My journey started in high school where I had a very keen interest in genetics. And from there, I decided that in university, I would continue with genetics. And fortunately for me, I registered with the University of Free State. During the genetics practicals, we were using wheat, and this is where I was introduced to the agricultural side of utilization of genetics. And following that, the journey continued to honors up until PhD with the focus on genetics. However, I was working on developing technologies, improving crop for farmers, but then there was that missing link, which was interaction with the farmers, packaging the technologies for the farmers and ensuring that the transfer is done correctly. So that's when I shifted now a bit from doing your genetic type of research and started focusing more on farmer support, commercialization of products that we develop in the lab, as well as enterprise development. Soil preparation is, of course, very important. What are some of the aspects of soil care farmers need to look into to ensure their land is prepared? The one important aspect is that what I've realized with a lot of farmers don't care about looking into soil care. Because remember, that is the only piece of land that you have for production. And if your venture is such that you are going to produce long term, you need to make sure that soil health is at its peak to make sure that you get the best in terms of when you produce. One of the things that I normally recommend for farmers is that they need to dabble into organic. And by organic, I'm talking about compost or your normal cow manure, be it cow manure or chicken manure, to increase the organic matter in the soil. Because when you use your normal synthetic fertilizers, what normally happens is that the normal, they call it NPK, which is your nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, what normally happens is that those nutrients are readily available for the plant to take up during production. 
So what happens is that you add those nutrients, you feeding the plant as soon as you finish your production cycle and you harvest, the soil is depleted of nutrients because the plant has taken up those readily available nutrients that you applied in the form of a synthetic fertilizer. So using compost and manure, it helps enhance soil health. You're increasing the microorganisms in the soil. You're also assisting in opening up the soil pockets. And then another thing is mulching. Mulching helps to hold in the moisture. It also helps to protect your microorganisms, the ones that are in the soils, the healthy microorganisms in the soil. It helps to protect them against the sun. If you use organic mulches, you also feed the soil with a bit of nutrient. Mulching also assists in reducing weeds. And with mulching, you can use your wood chips or the bug. You can use shredded leaves. Some people use newspaper. Some people use cardboard. When you do that organic phase, it is very crucial. A lot of people miss this because they assume around this time, people normally add manure to the grass in their gardens to make sure that come summer, it's nice and lush and green. But with agricultural production, you need to make sure that the organic matter is actually in the soil. So you need to apply it and turn it. What are the other fundamental aspects farmers need to take into consideration when they start planting the crops? When you are preparing for summer planting, you need to look at the quality of your seeds. There are farmers that they keep back seed. For example, you would have your small scale or household type of farmers that at the house you would buy, for example, butternut and then you would remove the seeds and dry them, use that to plant for the next season. So you need to make sure the quality of your seed is correct because remember, once you bury the seed in the soil. Nature needs to take its course for it to show a bit of shoot or for the plant to grow. So you need to make sure that when you're burying it, you're burying something that will actually emerge from the soil. It is also important to look at the cultivars that are in the market of your specific crop that you want to plant. You'd find that there's cabbage that has smaller heads and then there are those that have large heads. So be sure of the cultivar that you want to plant to ensure that during production you are actually realizing the yields that you are interested in. It is also important prior to planting, look at the planting times of the different crops. Like for example, now you can start looking into planting the most summer crop. August, September, you can look into planting them like your green beans, pumpkin or squash. Start sowing now. So it is important to also look at the planting times so that you don't run into problems because you planted at the incorrect time. Because planting times are there to assist and act as guidelines because the crops react differently to different climatic conditions. It's also important to know your soil characteristics. It's a bit pricey for some farmers to do soil sampling and have them analyze, but get an expert to assist you because sometimes just from the texture of the soil, you can roughly estimate the type of soil that you have. Is it clayish or is it sandy or is it loom or is it a combination? And what the percentage of each type of soil is in the holistic one, which is your type of soil? Check the availability of water for the duration of the production. You don't want to get to a part whereby you have no water available to irrigate because now that problem when you're looking at yield, and in some instances, if 
there's prolonged periods whereby water is not available, then it becomes an issue and you might actually end up losing your whole production. So those are the factors that for me are important, but obviously there are other general ones in terms of learn your crop prior to planting. Educate yourself on the do's and don'ts for the crop. Look at your market. Don't just plant for the sake of planting and be sure that whatever it is that you're putting on the soil will be something that will be taken up and you won't have a situation whereby you have a whole lot of crop or vegetables, as an example, but then there's nobody to buy them. Now is the prime time to plant green beans, carrots, cabbage and squash. Are there any preparations specific to these crops that farmers need to be aware of? You need to ensure that you do proper preparation to have loose soil so that there's at least sufficient airflow for the roots of the plant. So you need to loosen your soil properly before you plant to allow the roots of the plant to penetrate, to grow and to have even distribution of the roots. And it's also important that you don't plant on excessively dry soil because it causes the roots not to grow well in the soil and they might actually dry up in the soil and die, depending if you're planting seedlings or if you're planting seeds. So you don't want to have a situation whereby you are actually exerting unnecessary pressure on your plants before you actually start with the whole production. With regards to green beans, the sowing time would be August, September, and you would expect to harvest around November, December. As an example, you can still plant in October, you can still plant green beans in January, you can still plant in February, March. Carrots, you can plant in February, you can plant now in August, or you can plant in September. And if you plant in September, expect to harvest around December, January. With cabbage, it's around this time where you plant August, September for the best yields. Squash, it's also now August, September. You can also plant in October and you also have the luxury of also sowing in January. Which diseases are commonly experienced by farmers whilst they grow their summer crops? Are there any preventative measures they can take? The number one thing is that make sure that your production area is free of weeds. For example, you have one hectare plot that you're going to plant in. The borders, make sure that they're free of weeds because Weeds are the sources of a lot of pests and diseases. Like now it's very windy and say, for example, you've already planted. It's very easy for spores of fungi to contaminate your production area because the wind will carry the spores and they'll start infecting your production area. So weed control is very crucial, not just the borders, but within the planting area. You need to make sure that you manage your weeds correctly and make sure that your production area is free of weeds. So with regards to diseases, you'll have your bacterial diseases, you'll have your fungal diseases, you'll also have the the viral diseases. Now with viruses, they are normally carried by aphids, so controlling insects is also crucial. And then you'd have your other diseases like blight. One of the things that hampers cabbages is your soft rot, whereby you've got the slimy type of black infestation on the cabbage. They differ from plant to plant. To control them, you would need to know the type of disease that you have. And farmers need to link up either with the extension officers or with experts within their area. Normally what I do is that I ask the farmer to send me a picture 
And from the picture, I'm able to tell them that, okay, this is this disease on your crop. And then knowing the name of the disease, it makes it easy for them to go to a co-op and ask for a suitable chemical to control those diseases. And it's important that as soon as they dabble into chemical control of diseases and pests, that they make sure that they have the proper protective clothing. Your blue overall is not protective clothing for spraying of agrochemicals to control pests and diseases. You need those disposable overalls. Remember, with the blue overall, it's cloth. So you, when you spray, because it's liquid, can easily penetrate onto the skin if there's incorrect spraying. And there's been studies that have shown that chemicals have serious adverse effects on, on human health. You need to use the chemical correctly because you don't want to end up with a situation whereby you have excess chemicals and those excess chemicals end up seeping into the water table. And now you're going to contaminate drinking water for the community. So it's very important that even though you're going to protect yourself by wearing the proper PPE, you also need to make sure that you apply correctly so that you don't create other problems downstream from your production site. Thanks, Nicole. And great having you here on Farmers Inside Track, Dr. Lerato Matsonyane from the Agricultural Research Council. We now switch things up from summer crops to precision irrigation with Netafirm. Now, in Mzanzi, farmers are rethinking their farming methods to improve production, reduce cost, and ultimately optimize productivity. Netafirm technical advisor Gary Francis has some tips on how to select the correct irrigation equipment when it comes to precision irrigation. Gary, thanks so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. It's great to have you with us. Now, I usually like to start by asking my guests just to tell me a little bit about themselves, where their journey started in agriculture, because everyone has a different story about how they started. So just a bit about yourself to kick off. Thank you for having me. I started farming 20 years ago in greenhouses. I was farming tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, I did herbs. So that's where my journey into agriculture started. And from there, I moved into the, the sales and marketing side of things and got involved with Netafim. And I first joined Netafim in 2005, and I am now quite a few years with, with Netafim. It's absolutely amazing, you know, to know how people sort of started and more about the work that they do. And I know that you cover quite a bit of ground in your position as technical advisor for the KZN area. Just in terms of your experience, in Mzanzi, you know, farmers are rethinking their farming methods to improve production, reduce cost, and ultimately, you know, optimize productivity. How does precision farming fit into that? And why is it so vital for a sustainable farming future? And more specifically around precision irrigation, maybe we can just start by explaining this concept for farmers. Having been a a greenhouse farmer for many years, precision farming is something we always practice in greenhouses. What it essentially means is putting precisely the right amount of water and the right amount of fertilizer to each and every plant exactly as the plant needs and when it needs it. So I keep asking myself, two of the smallest countries in the world, namely Holland and Israel, Two of the smallest countries, however, agricultural-wise, they are two of the best farming countries in the world. Why is that? And I believe it's because they have always been practicing precision farming. So they don't have vast tracts of land to just start ranching crops. So they have to make sure that every single square meter that they have, they get the maximum yield out of every single plant. And how do you get that maximum yield? 
is by providing exactly the right amount of water and exactly the right amount of fertilizer at the right time when the plant needs it. And that essentially is what precision farming and precision irrigation is all about. Now, you've explained it so beautifully just in terms of the concept, but how important is it for irrigation planning and more importantly, you know, finding the right irrigation equipment, especially if you're a new farmer? So again, everybody has budget constraints. So when we, ideally in a perfect world, one would go to a irrigation company, sit down with an irrigation designer, they would have a look at your soil type, look at your water quality, and then design a, a system for you. Unfortunately, not everybody has the means and resources to be able to go that route. So they have to rely on the local co-op or the nearest irrigation supplier around them. So what's the next step? Where else can they get, get advice? Well, that's where Netfim comes in. We have a website, and on that website, we've got a tab where you can ask the expert. And the emails come through to us, and we can advise the farmers that don't have access to sophisticated irrigation companies, and we can advise them on their soil type, what crop that they're growing, generally what would be the right product to use for their situation. Now, for someone listening, what are some of the factors to consider, especially if you're just starting out, when you're considering the type of equipment to use? Are there specific guidelines besides getting an expert like yourself involved? If they would have to do it, what should they be thinking about? I think first and foremost, one has to look at your water or your water supply. Are you going to rely solely on rainfall or do you have some water, not necessarily a lot of water, but do you have some water that you can irrigate with? And again, it's about irrigating the right amounts at those critical times. That's when we start looking at your way up the option between a sprinkler irrigation system or you look at a drip irrigation system. And with the drip irrigation system, we have very low flow rates. So even though one doesn't have a lot of water, you can still irrigate your crops using drip irrigation. And the drip irrigation, that's again, that's where we as Netfim technical advisors come in. We would advise you if you've got heavy soil, clay soil types, or if you have sandy soils, what would be the correct flow rate for your dripper system and what the correct spacing between the drippers are. You don't want to be putting down too high a flow of water on a sandy soil, for example, and all that water is moving past your root zone. And then what are you doing? You're wasting water and you're wasting fertilizer. So we like to sit with the farmers, give them advice and say, on your type of soil for this specific crop, this is what we would recommend. And that recommendation comes from nearly 60 years of global experience, which Netfim has via our agronomists and technical advisors. So it's not something new to us. We've been doing it for many, many years, and we believe that we can offer the farmers the correct advice. If I'm a farmer and I may be in a remote area or I'm not too familiar with equipment, how can I assess the quality of irrigation equipment? And also maybe you can explain what happens over time, checks and the type of guidelines that they should be aware of. So every system needs maintenance, it, irrespective of whether you've got a pivot system, a sprinkler system, whether you have an automatic spin cleaning filter or a manual filter, even your tractors require servicing. So my suggestion to farmers is always go with a reputable company, a company that you know has been around, do your research if you have access to the internet, a company that's been around and has got a good track record. You can assess 
the quality of the product from that. And then one's got to go on and continually maintain the systems, irrespective of whatever system you've got. Water quality, for example, changes. If you're irrigating, your water supply comes from a river, that river can change overnight in water quality. So one has to continually check your filtration system, make sure that that is up to standard and that it is being maintained. The nozzles, if you're looking at a micro system, that your nozzles have not worn, that they're not getting blocked up from insects. And the same with drippers. Make sure that your drippers remain clean and that we do by flushing the ends of the tripper lines periodically to make sure that we get all the dirt which builds up in the system out of the ends of the line. I can go on for many hours on just the maintenance of the different systems, but unfortunately we don't have the time. But again, Netfim, we have all the information at our fingertips. Listeners are very welcome to contact me. I can send through PDF information to them for their different systems on how to maintain and look after those systems. Gary, I must agree with you. I think you and your colleagues that I've spoken to as part of this campaign with Netofirm definitely knows a lot and there's so much to share more than I even knew existed. So I couldn't agree more. And I think just to wrap up the conversation, if you would leave, you know, the listener one piece of advice or some tips just to wrap up. And then of course, we would like to also get your contact details if they'd like to know more and get in touch with you. First and foremost, I would say get the best possible system that you can for the money that you have. And when I say that, get the best advice. Do a bit of homework. Don't just walk into the nearest shop and pick up a sprinkler and then go and use it in your field. Do a bit of homework. You're welcome to contact me. Give me the information that you have, the type of crop that you would like to grow, the area that you're in, the water supply that you are using, whether it comes from a river a borehole, et cetera. And then I can give you advice from there because one doesn't want to go and spend money and then find out a year down the line that you've put in a sprinkler system, you don't have a lot of water, and now you're in a high wind area and you're losing 30 to 40% of your water through wind blowing and through evaporation. And if you're putting your fertilizer through that, again, you start losing your fertilizer and your water through evaporation. Whereas you could have chatted to us beforehand, we could have recommended a drip system where the water and fertilizer is going directly into the root zone. And in the long term, it saves you a lot of money by not wasting that fertilizer and not wasting uh, precious water. And I say precious because water is getting more and more precious every year. Thank you so much, Gary. I think I you know, have a better understanding of precision farming and precision irrigation. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And all the best with the work that you're doing. Thanks very much, Dawn. And thank you for this opportunity. Um, can I leave you with my email address? Yes, definitely. It's Gary, G-A-R-Y dot Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S at netafim.com. And netafim is N-E-T-A-F-I-M dot com. Thanks so much for joining us. Netafim Technical Advisor, Gary Francis. For more on this, you can read the article on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. We now meet our hashtag soil sister, Dimakatso Machao Mabeju. She moved from chemical engineering to chicken farming. Now this might sound crazy and a very drastic change, but it is precisely what she needed. Today, she joins us as one of the women selected for the Koteva Women Agripreneur 2022 program. Now this is a year-long blended development program 
at the Gordon Institute of Business Science Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Dima Khatso, you went from chemical engineering to farming. Tell us what the story is. Where did it all start for you? I'm a chemical engineer. I studied chemical engineering at UCT. I've worked as a junior process engineer and a sales engineer. I quit my job around March last year, and that's when we started our chicken business. My husband used to do chickens back home. So we just decided, let's try it out and see how it works here in South Africa. We just started refining the process, finding out what our customers like. And that's how we ended up basically with the business that we have now. Now we know that with farming, there's lots of challenges that people face. Tell us some of the factors that motivate you to keep going on despite these challenges. The first couple of cycles were very challenging because we were still figuring out how to make them live, get the proper product that we would be proud of, get the proper feed and everything. So there was a lot of trial and error, which was very costly for us. And then around uh, July or so, there was a shortage of day-old chickens because we buy them at the day-old stage. There was like a national shortage and the prices ended up almost doubling. We found it very difficult to find chickens in that environment. And then we got someone who wanted to supply us with day-olds. We should have known because the price was very cheap. But we ended up getting some sort of layers and they were all male. So we just ended up losing a lot of money because we bought a lot of those chickens. They were always fighting because they were all male. They were always fighting and killing each other off. So that was a struggle in its own because it's even more money wasted. We've wasted a lot of money on feed because broiler feed is way more expensive than the kind of feed that they needed to be on. But because we didn't know at the moment that they're not broilers, we're just feeding them this food. But eventually we were able to sell them off as hard body. So we were able to regain some of the money that we spent. It wasn't what we had wanted the amount to be, but it's better to get some money back than to let it completely go to waste. Now, in my experience, farmers do so much for their communities. Tell us about how you're giving back to your community. What we currently try to do, because there's people in our area that are disadvantaged, we try to give them like food packs every now and again. Something my husband also wanted to do is that we haven't implemented it yet, is give classes about keeping chickens to people that are disadvantaged, maybe give them a few chickens so that they can grow some for their own and get some kind of income. And then before we let you go, do you have any advice for other women entering the farming arena? You're not going to know everything at the beginning. So it's easier to just get a small batch and learn how to work with, and this is in chicken specifically, but to work with a small batch before you scale up to your thousands of chickens, because it is a bit difficult. And if you don't have the basic skills or knowledge, it's better to have a smaller sample and gain those skills. They shouldn't be too concerned about making money at the beginning, but actually learning the essential skills that are going to make you money for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for joining us here on Hashtag Soil Sisters. She is one of the dynamic women selected for the Koteva Woman Agripreneur 2022 program. Agriculture is not just about farming. 
It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. When your family doesn't settle for anything less than magnificence, give them the best with Magnificent Maze Meal. On the field or in the classroom, Magnificent helps your family perform magnificently. Magnificent is a product of VKB Group. Visit vkb.co.za or like our Facebook page for more. VKB, for the love of the land. Now you know I can't let you go before sharing our farmer tip of the week. This week we hear from Seho Gikle Sishekhona, founder of Yamaja Bitala. He shares a few tips to grow butternut in Mzanzi. If you are in a place whereby there is rain, you can still use tunnels. You can plant them in tunnels because the frost will be outside. But if you are an emerging farmer like us, the tight budget, I believe you have to do it in summer seasons. Whereby I planted it in February, then I harvested it in May. In February, it is still summer, meaning that it can still accommodate just like in August, in September, November, and all the other months. So avoid going to winters and swell if you don't have tunnels. We spoke about other diseases. You have to make sure that the land is not too much wet because you might get black rot. Well, that disease is on the butternut, whereby if the soil is too much wet, they can break again if there is too much. Wood. So you just have to irrigate the way you have to. The tree has to get 1.5 liters per day for wood. So if it's, it's 1.5 liters, it means that in the drip irrigation, let's say you're using drip irrigation, they say in an hour it's two liters. Less than an hour you can do for a day. And our farmer tip of the week from Sesa Gile Sesikona, founder of Yamaja Badala, brings us to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members, and fellow farmers. Be sure to check out our sister publication as well called foodforafrica.com for inspiration and news from across the continent. Also, don't forget to catch me on our weekly Twitter Spaces session that's gathered to grow on Twitter Spaces every Wednesday from 6 to 7 Central African time. Now from me, Donumdu, Nicole Ludolf, and our producer, Megan van der Vent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have a great week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.